For business, the internet has become an emerging threat as well as a powerful tool. The question of what to do when your business is subjected to attack in social media, whether by a source previously unknown to you or perhaps even the presence of the United States, is an issue that's becoming more and more important to business leaders. What do you do if it happens to you, and how do you conduct your business in this new world? That's the subject of today's What's Working in Washington special topic. To unpack this important business challenge and what to do about it, we have in studio four experts. Senator Byron Dorgan, Senior Policy Advisor at Arendt Fox and co-head of that firm's government relations practice. Richard Levick, CEO of Levick. Pamela Deese, an expert in intellectual property law and a partner at Arendt Fox. And Betsy Fisher-Martin, President of Fisher-Martin Media and an Executive Residence at American University's School of Public Affairs. Thanks to all of you for joining us. Richard, I'll start with you. Have you ever seen anything like this before in business communication? No, I think it's unprecedented, Jonathan, for a couple of reasons. One, it's simply the technological revolution starting to have its impact. That is that we're seeing a reverse of what used to exist. That is that businesses were traditionally in control of the conversation from the top down, advertising, lobbying, PAC funding, uh, that is uh, funding of candidates. Uh, that was the way that they controlled the conversation. Now, you name the controversy, whether it's GMO or the GMOs or it's Keystone or it's fracking, sugar, it all comes from the grassroots up. So that revolution was already taking place. But as far as the president is concerned, that is also, if I'm allowed to use the word unprecedented, we have never seen from a president the ability to communicate about individual companies, and at least for a while there, have dramatic impact on their share value. So, Pamela, you're practicing intellectual property law, communications law. Is there any sort of legal remedy for this behavior? And, Jonathan, that is something that a number of lawyers are looking at at this point. One of the issues is that the president is protected by something known as sovereign immunity and allows them to, allows the president to really take a lot of actions without um, fear of recourse and lawsuits, et cetera. One of the questions that's been um, under scrutiny of lawyers at this point is when the president makes these sorts of comments in a Twitter account, um, either from his private account or from the presidential account, is there some recourse um, that would be available for, you know, a defamation, et cetera, kind of uh, suit um, by a company? Nordstrom, for example, did their share value go down? Was there damage caused by this kind of activity? I think at some point we may be able to say, yes, the president was not acting in his capacity as president when he made these statements, and there was damage, and someone may bring a suit. The other issue is whether that would really have any value in the course of what's going on. Because the issue of sovereign immunity, the whole point of it is so that government can't be subject to lawsuits when they're exercising authority on behalf of all of us. So if this is a private citizen, this th there'd be remedies. Right. If it was a private citizen making these kind of comments, there absolutely would be remedies, and mm -hmm. particularly where there's damages. Interesting. So we're in a situation now, it's uncharted territory. Uh, it would seem in a lot of ways what we're dealing with is a question of, of custom. You know, the, the our society depends upon unwritten rules, codes of behavior. And what we now have is a president who, I mean, arguably is, is violating customary practices. Senator, is this something that, uh, from a policy perspective, you've been in government, you're now outside government, isn't custom a big part of what we depend on here in our society for things like this? Well, it's it's a part of how we communicate, one-to-one, one-to-a-group. I mean, there are certain communication standards that we've generally used, 
There are new devices now by which you can communicate, and the president is using uh, Twitter with some 20 million people that he can speak to directly through Twitter. That's a very different kind of thing. It's the velocity and breadth of information that can be imparted uh, is new. Uh, but it's also the case that the, the, the approach that this president, President Trump, uses uh, breaks down a lot of standards and customs and, and, and behavior norms that have always existed. Uh, I mean, th this issue of alternative facts, the issue of tweeting something that is demonstrably untrue and then just standing by it, we've never seen that before. Normally, it's embarrassing to say something that is turns out to be false, uh, not in this case. But I, I, I do think that uh, a custom uh, standards, behavior, those models are kind of by the board, at least with respect to what President Trump has been doing recently. They very much ramp things. Betsy, I'm going to turn to you. You've been involved in communications in the media for years. What's your reaction to what's going on? Well, the rule book has been thrown out in many respects. And usually, you know, when a president issues a statement of some sort about a, a major policy issue, it would have gone through several different layers. Um, th in this case, we are seeing very unfiltered, unsupervised stream of thought coming from the president, which is unprecedented. We just haven't seen that sort of thing before. And so from a communications perspective, we have you know communication professionals that are working in companies that are on hair trigger alerts because they don't know what's coming around the bend. You know, usually if a president was going to issue a statement about a particular company, traps would have been run. Perhaps the government affairs officials at the company would have been notified. In this case, they're waking up like everyone else to see a 6 a.m. tweet and, oh, my goodness, time to call the office. Right. And and at that point, your stock price may have already gone down in overnight trading overseas. Exactly. It's a new world. It seems to me, uh, all of you, that, that this is a world where the lines between political communications and business communications, the lines, this administration seems to, whether it's communicating wiretapping or not wiretapping or trying to change the government contract, it's the same communication strategy. Is that true? You know, I think it is the same strategy, Jonathan. I'm, I'm hard-pressed to think when we look historically at this kind of communications and for, forgive me, but for lack of a better word, the authoritarian form of communications where the media is the enemy of, of the people, quote-unquote, where there is no distinction between, as Betsy was talking about, speaking uh, and writing, and writing has historically been the form where actually thought is applied, time and concentration and review. When that's all gone, not only does it have a huge impact on society, our children and others who are learning from this, but I also think the companies that are impacted, and currently I think companies are looking at this and saying, wait a minute, if we're in an environment in which headlines are no longer as damaging, where fake news is not necessarily a problem, a lot of them are holding on to their wallets right now, waiting to see how the, the marketplace is going to change and how they're going to communicate. I think for Donald Trump, uh, the issue I mentioned a moment ago about how this has not ended well, we have to remember that his strategy, which is to either to deflect first and then attack, the Roy Cohen approach, who of course was Joe McCarthy's legal counsel uh, during the McCarthy era, and then ultimately uh, the mentor for Donald Trump as a young man, it tends not to end well, and I think for companies looking at lessons here, we need to look at the big picture and where this is headed. Well, you talk about attacks, but it seemed to me that there's a bigger social issue here. I, Senator uh, Dorgan, I think this is something that uh, you're pretty concerned about, you know, the breakdown of civility and just generally in our society. Oh, I think so. I mean, I, I, I was telling a story the other day about people in a grocery store with two carts coming to the end of an aisle 
almost inevitably they are polite. They say, no, no, you go first. You go first, right? Mm -hmm. I put them in a car on GW Parkway, then they shake their fists at each other. But put them on the Internet or put them in a social media where where you, you, a device where you, you don't necessarily have to identify yourself, then all bets are off. And mm -hmm. in, in some ways, uh, I know that the president is identified with his tweets. So he doesn't seem to care that you know, he sends out something that is demonstrably untrue, but but he's he's having an impact. He has an impact the other night when he he tweeted uh, something and uh, 140 characters, and within two hours, the foreign minister of Russia, think of this, responded publicly to a tweet the president. I mean, that's unbelievable. Normally, uh, as Betsy said, normally these things will go through a filter, very careful filter to make sure you understand what you're doing in terms of foreign relations, what you're doing in businesses and so on. And, and that's not been the case here. So it sounds like it's a combination of the hyperspeed of communication now with social media, but also people in some ways benefiting from anonymity. It makes me wonder, Betsy, again, from the standpoint of the media, have we fallen into a trap where in order to get people to engage, we have to keep them in a constant state of information arousal in a way? And so just the bar keeps getting higher and higher? Well, that's interesting. And, and, and what I think you've seen with the president, in fact, is his ability through tweeting to completely change a news cycle, to change a story. And so I think... You know, some of these tweets that come out may be a little bit more predetermined than we had thought. Perhaps he has, wants to change the narrative on a story or completely throw something else, another shiny object into the view of the media so that whatever the latest story that he's getting hit on will change. And so I think, you know, a lot of what we're seeing with his tweets is his ability to completely have a new shiny object in, in front of the media. Look at Elvis. To make a point, I mean, uh, businesses have a lot at stake, right? Yeah. Uh, so do politicians who are involved in government. But I, I was mentioning that uh, uh, a Syrian group hacked into the Associated Press Twitter account and and tweeted that there was an explosion at the White House. Barack Obama had been injured. Uh, the Dow Jones, or I guess it was uh, S&P 500, dropped $137 billion in two minutes. Mm -hmm. So that there are consequences in a lot of different ways. And it's it, the, the issue for me is not just the quantity of information, which is dramatically expanded, but the quality of information that's available. Clearly, there's a big issue of the quality of information out there. A lot of the, a lot of the places that we go to get information aren't as clear. This must be a really big issue, Pamela, in, in the world of intellectual property and authenticity. I mean, what are you telling your clients? Well, that is an issue. And one of the things that we're working with clients on is educating that C-suite level. For a number of years, our C-suite executives have not been interested, not really paid much attention to what's going on on social media with respect to Twitter, Facebook, et cetera. And they allowed very young people frequently to take control of those brand messaging areas, even though we advised against that sort of thing. Now we're saying you need to be educated. You need to think through this venue just like you think through any other um, really area that you're communicating to your loyal fan base, your c customers, et cetera and plan ahead in a strategic way. Yeah. It seems to me that what's happened is what was looked upon by baby boomers who were in the C-suite as sort of a, a tool that their kids used and didn't really understand. It's now become bet the company stuff. What we're, This is a business show. We're trying to give our, our business leaders good insight. What else should business leaders be doing? Because this new world's here. What else should they be doing to get ready? Jonathan, I think, you know, a few things. First of all, one of the key lessons for businesses to take away here is that the president's best days were actually the four, uh, four days, eight hours and five minutes after his joint 
House of Congress speech in which he didn't tweet. That's when he looked uh, most presidential. And so I think for a lot of companies looking at how is it that we communicate in this new world, the first rule is not just to rush out there and over-communicate, but instead to be looking at who are your audiences now. Historically, they've looked at audiences as customers, shareholders, institutional shareholders. Now, those people who have the ability to move markets, to move companies, oftentimes are not, not customers. They're certainly not shareholders or institutional shareholders. They may not even be members of the community, but they're influencers. And so that means that tracking what is happening, looking at just two stars and being able to see a whole constellation is critical. If you look at Wells Fargo, if you look at EpiPen, Mylan's EpiPen, and you look at any major issue – the canaries in the coal mine on every single one of them. And companies miss that. They need to be tracking much differently than they have in the past and see when something happens on change.org or something happens on grab your wallet, something happens in social media, they need to look and see, is this the start of a trend? And if it is, they have to look for their own influencers use their peacetime wisely, identify those people who can communicate with authority and trust, and that will change the conversation. It's interesting you touch on authority and trust. Uh, this is something that I hear more and more is that people are overwhelmed with social media and are craving authenticity. Betsy and then Senator Dorgan, is this a strategy that you'd recommend that people really think about how to how to appear and be authentic these days? It is, and, and, and the, you know, the upside of social media is that you can present uh, you know, an authentic self. If you are, for example, a CEO of a company, you can connect with your employees, you can connect with customers in a, a much more personal way, and that could be advantageous to your business. Um, so the up, that is definitely the upside of social media. Of course, the downside is, you know, you cannot have sort of the unsupervised tweets coming from a CEO out there. You have to be more careful, and people have to realize that what they say has consequences and can really affect their bottom line. What do you think, so? Yeah, it's been the case that uh, CEOs have occasionally said something that uh, turns out to have offended their customer base or shareholders or their celebrity spokespersons. They, they just have to be careful about that. And I think, as Richard said, uh, knowing who your audience is as a company, as a business, and then providing quality communication to them on a regular basis with important things, information they need to know about the company, that's the best uh, antidote in my judgment. So what I'm hearing is that the seas may be choppy, but the seas can be navigated. Here's what I'm thinking. We, we come together to talk about President Trump, but the reality is, is that the world of business communications these days, conventional wisdom is breaking down, customary practices changing. A, a tweet could come from the president or come from a troll. It could still affect your business. What does a new world look like for so, business? So I think, you know, a number of strategic things that companies need to do. First of all, one, stop looking at social and digital media as tactical. It's strategic. You have to have digital and brand as part of your crisis teams. They need to report to the board. You need to be thinking holistically differently. Two, what Senator Dorgan said a moment ago and Betsy touched on, the criticality of authenticity, it doesn't just mean that your tweet has to be authentic, but it means that if, if you have unbridled ability in the age of Citizens United to fund candidates, your funding of, of political causes and candidates has to be consistent with your brand and your social media. That's what leads to integrity. I mean, I think the key is to have a plan. I mean, we're talking about social media. We're talking about new devices, new approaches, Twitter, Facebook, and so on. So have a plan to use them in a positive way. You, worry, you have to worry about whether somebody's going to 
create a boycott issue or do something. So you got to got to be very careful about watching for that and being proactive, as Richard said. But but have a positive plan to use this new opportunity in communications to advance your business. Pamela, what do you think? Well, I think that at this point, there's an opportunity for corporations to really create civil discourse and restore that in their communications. And if that's not a positive, then I don't know what else would be in terms of that, um, it's both a challenge and an opportunity at this juncture. But with planning, you can do that. Uh, from a media perspective, uh, I think we, we're in a situation now where communications professionals and CEOs have to think very carefully about how they uh, are going to speak about and interact with the president. Um, he is a very controversial person. We have seen CEOs get in trouble for just doing the slightest little compliment his way. Um, and so I think, you know, for companies have to think very strategically how they are going to position themselves and they should expect when they do television interviews, that they are going to be asked very pointed questions about their opinion of politics and of the president, and they need to have their response ready ahead of time. Great words and great insight, Betsy. And for all of you who have joined us in this panel, this has been very illuminating. I think that businesses and, and entrepreneurs and everybody in town is going to benefit from your expertise. Betsy Fisher-Martin, Senator Byron Dorgan, attorney partner Pamela Deese, and Richard Levick, CEO of Levick. Thanks for taking some time and joining us on What's Working in Washington.